Hey everybody, I'm Shane. And I'm Amy. And this week on Deep Dive, we'll be talking about a new creation, New Jerusalem, and we'll be confusing the heck out of you because we're gonna we're not gonna talk about one Isaiah or two Isaiah. We're gonna talk about three Isaiahs. So uh stick with us. All right, this week I'll be reading from Isaiah 65, uh, 17 through 25 from the Common English Bible. The translation's there on the screen if you're watching the video. Otherwise, we'll have the link down in the comments, also with a link to Amy's sermon, which we'll be referencing throughout this episode. So here we go. Look, I'm creating a new heaven and new earth. Past events won't be remembered. They won't come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating, because I'm creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a source of gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad about my people. No one will ever hear the sound of weeping or crying in it again. No more will babies live only a few days or the old fail to live out their days. The one who dies a hundred will be like a young person, and the one who falls short of a hundred will seem cursed. They will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They won't build for others to live in, nor plant for others to eat. Like the days of a tree will be the days of my people. My chosen will make full use of their handiwork. They won't labor in, labor in vain, nor bear children to a world of horrors, because they will be people blessed by the Lord, they along with their descendants. Before they call, I will answer. While they are speaking, I will hear. Wolf and lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but the snake, its food will be dust. They won't hurt or destroy at any place on my holy mountain, says the Lord. You started your sermon talking about Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. It's a, I have never watched that. The, that's is really the follow-up to Wizard it of the Oz? Is, yeah. Everything's in ruin, so she has to go back. Is it Judy Gardner? Is she in that? Judy Garland's not in it. No. Okay. This is a... Oh, this is like r- low rent terrible. Okay. Yes. But you like I, it. I mean, well, I don't know that I would recommend it. Okay. We all have movies like that. But, it, it, yeah. it, did, but it did remind me of, you know, important figures in the original Wizard of Oz that let us be able to think about having hearts, brains, and courage. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting framing of saying that, like, these are things these are things we knew. And I like the way you interpreted it, that a heart for others, use our mind to make wise, wise decisions and to move forward in courage. I like mm-hmm. that. Um and how you use that to frame, you know, the overall narrative of Isaiah. So you mm-hmm. you spent some time framing that, you know, it's not first, second. We're dealing with a third Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You saw that as important. Why did you feel that was important to set that up? Yeah. So I I could really nerd out actually about the context of all of this. I mentioned it in the sermon, but a few weeks ago I preached from that Jeremiah twenty nine. Um, that I that I read um, even during this sermon, and it was when the people of God are taken into captivity in Babylon, and they're told, "Hey, you're going to be here for the long haul, so go ahead and build houses, plant gardens, have children, have grandchildren there, because you're going to be here for so long." And then what we pick up here in Third Isaiah is this return of these exiles back to Judah, back to the southern kingdom. And I think it is so interesting and so beautiful that the people are asked to participate. 
with God in the creation of this new heaven and this new earth, because even in the scripture today, it says you're going to build houses, but they're going to be yours. Yeah. You're going to plant vineyards, and they're going to be yours. So they were kind of told to do those exact same things when they're in exile in Babylon, but mm-hmm. th- these things won't ultimately be yours. Which but- is which is interesting to compare that because the many parts of the Jewish tradition is actually the complete inverse of that. Mm-hmm. Is that like you you're not building for yourself; you're building for future generations. Right. That's, that's such an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so being able to talk about kind of the scope of all of Isaiah um, with that first, second, and third, um, I think is really important because I do think that we have this idea that this and all books of the Bible, like somebody just sat down and in one kind of swoop, mm-hmm. like wrote all the words to this, but being able to see that this is like the kind of beautiful message and the comforting message and the challenging message message to God's people over a long time, I think is really important to know. And it speaks of this continuing relationship with God to God's people. Um, and this is such a hopeful message here in the in third Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty brave of you to pick, pick <laughs> preaching from Isaiah just like two weeks before Advent. You know, know. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty gutsy there. <laughs> you, uh, you, I like this phrase you were saying, you to see deeper, see to the deeper joy. And I'm curious if like, to go a little deeper on that, how would you actually advise people to do that? I think being able to perhaps not see their current circumstances as the only circumstance that you're going to have, which I think is, again, why it's really important to look at all of Isaiah and it to be over this long amount of time because the people have ups and they have downs. So I think the more that we can assure ourselves and that we can be in community and assure one another that current circumstances are not forever, that things are fleeting. And sometimes that feels like a really mm-hmm. positive message. And sometimes it feels like a not so positive message, but to be able to kind of look at the, the long view of things I think is important. All right, so let's uh, let's let's shift over to not just explaining. Let's shift over to meddling. Ah, okay, so here we go. <laughs> um, I felt like you were in many ways asking us the question of what do you dream for, mm-hmm. um, and you definitely you talk very specifically about wanting unity. But in the same regard, you say because you're dealing with that wolves and lambs and mm-hmm. that vivid imagery there, but you also reference you know, some modern study that says we live in a time where maybe unity is not possible. So I'm curious, (laughs) I was curious to like discuss that a little bit with you more. What like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Is it possible? I want it to be possible. Yeah, (laughs) It's it's the thing of it. Um, So here's, here's the really interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So this scripture in the last three years has come up twice. Mm. Um, so the last time kind of in November that it's come up was November 13th, 2016. Um, and if that date kind of sticks out to you at all, it's because that was the Sunday after the last presidential election. Mm. So this is the scripture that tons and tons and tons of preachers preached about that Sunday after the election at a time when things were quite divided. And I think that the chasms within our own country that had been growing over a long time were really very made visible in a way that people could not 
perhaps turn an eye from. And I spent actually a lot of time listening and reading some of those sermons from 2016. Um, And we're still having a lot of the same conversations mm-hmm. now, all of these years later, because of these kind of divides and still asking those questions like, is this even possible? Is this even something to work for, for people of these kind of differing opinions about political and social mm-hmm. issues? Is it even possible for them to come together? And like I said, and like you've mentioned, there are sociologists who certainly say, that the tide has shifted and it won't. But I think that's why I leaned so much toward hope um, in yeah. in the message because I I continue to hope for that. And I don't know what it looks like. I'm not talking about a return to some kind of glory days or, yeah. you know, that yeah. we can recover something that I feel like we've lost. But I'm talking more about just being able to move forward as humans mm-hmm. with one another. And how do we create a society where we can disagree but still be in community with yeah. one another? One of the things I thought of that related to this is is this idea, and this is this is really challenging because I I think mo- I think most people some of the same research has also shown that most people don't necessarily see themselves on a pole, yes. but they consider themselves a little more moderate. Mm-hmm. Whether they are or not is is an interesting question. But um, I think one of the things that at least I am learning in recent years is that you know to call oneself a conservative, call oneself a liberal. Those are ideologies. You could point to why you arrive mm-hmm. in these camps, and and there's no universal. I mean, I, perhaps that's the harm of polarization. It changes. You know, we start having that sort of insider mentality and start mm-hmm. playing in our tribes, and it changes things. But you could at least argue that one's conservatism or one's liberalism is driven by ideology. But what's different about those when we consider ourselves moderates, or you, when you would say, "Well, I want to be a moderate," sure. that's not an ideology. Mm-hmm. That's just Finding right. a middle point <laughs> between the two. And I think that's really challenging because I I think when we get caught, when we feel polarization, we just want to arrive at a moderated position. Mm-hmm. But we have to admit in those moments, that's not actually like a, a philosophical, theologically driven ideology. You're just finding a middle point between mm-hmm. two extremes. Um, I, I don't necessarily know what to do with that. Right. Because there's not necessarily a lot of hope. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> in some ways that drives me a little more away from hope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I do think it is the reality we swim in. Um, I I really like the the Oscar Romero. Yeah, quote. yeah, yeah. And um, and I don't know if you were thinking this, but I, I was thinking this, and I was curious to get your response. Is when I heard his quote, hmm. I felt like he was talking about hope as a finite resource, mm-hmm. like saying. You know, we we talk about love. There's, I know there's a, I know there's there's certain prayers and certain liturgical elements when they will say love hopes all things. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not the incarnation of love, and so <laughs> I can't hope all things. Mm-hmm. And so I know there are certain things that I observe that like, I'd be foolish to have a lot of hope in this. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the when it, when I hear in the uh, Romero quote where he's saying we can only do so much. Yes. I hear him also saying we can't hope in everything. In mm-hmm. some ways we have to choose our spots about what we're willing to hope in. And I'm curious, did your mind go there or is that something different from what you were thinking? How, yeah. do, how do you take that quote? I, I do definitely feel the finite that you're talking about there. But for me, I, I actually, so when I, so when I hear 
that quote, and it was long to include in a sermon, but I felt like it needed to all be there. Um, and we'll try to we'll try to put a link to that quote in the yeah. notes so you can see the larger quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it's a comforting message actually okay. to say I can only do so much, which means I can do this well. Okay. <laughs> so You're not so it is responsible for yes everything. So yeah, it yeah. is limiting, right? Mm-hmm. Because like this is so this is what I can do. But that next step of, so that means I can do it well. And then what if we all do what we can do, but we do it well? Mm. I, I, I think there's hope in that yeah. kind of idea. Yeah, I can get behind that. I see what you're saying there. <laughs> well, that, that, I think that dovetails into the, the final point I thought you were making there is talking about this idea of leaning into hope. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, what does that practically look like? Mm. You know, let's say we're... We're, you know, we've we've reached the raw raw point of the sermon. Like I'm in, I'm in on this. I really believe in this. Leave this hope. Well, like let's let's take that the step forward. What's what do you think that looks like? What how's that practiced? Or what are you know? What, yeah. what would you say? Yeah. So that so that leaning into hope right there at the very end was kind of tied together with a vivid imagination. So not giving up on mm-hmm. you know being able to think creatively. Um, to look for solutions that perhaps are not so super obvious. Mm. And then the other part of that um, that was tied to was being the hands and the feet and go and do. And I, mm. and I think that, for me, for sure, pulls together with the Oscar Romero quote and um, being able to actually have things that are actionable to do. And that's going to look different in every circumstance. I mean, this is kind of a bro- this is a broad message of leaning into hope because mm. everybody's circumstance is different. But to me, if we can keep our imaginations and if we can think of actionable things to do, no matter how small they are, then perhaps we can go on the road to hope. It it reminds me of the psychological concept of a double mind, whereas a lot of our sources of stress is where we feel like we're caught between two decisions you don't want to make. Correct. And the limit, you know, in, in a good talk therapist would help you realize it's not just two decisions. Yep. It, it kind of reminded me of this story I've heard about um, a, a black man in the South who has intentionally befriended people mm. who are in white supremacist communities. And because of that, he's just led dozens of people out of the movement because them simply knowing him and his intentional friendship has has, has changed everything for them. And I, within that context of what you're talking about, leaning into hope means like, mm this man who should not have been do- doing this, like because the options before him, this is not a good option. Leaning into that hope gave him the holy imagination. Yes, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, that's a powerful point. Mm. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts on this text? Um, the only other thing I would say, you know, I mentioned that it was, that had come up in the lectionary two times. So that one was um, the Sunday after the last presidential election. The other um, was this Easter of this year. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just something beautiful about even thinking about those pairings being together when, you know, so many people would did not find hope, no matter kind of what side of the political social world you were on um, back in 2016. But just the kind of culmination, again, of these words, this idea of a new creation, a new heaven, new earth, of, you know, coming together and building houses and that God promises that God will be with you no matter what you're going through. Um, I just think it's beautiful. Yeah. 
I, I think one interesting element, and you, you hinted at, but you didn't hit it really, uh, like you didn't, it wasn't a mm-hmm. major point, but I thought it was really a provocative. It, you almost tempted us into thinking, how do you see yourself? Yes, do you yes, see yourself yes. as, mm-hmm. a, uh, as, a, as a wolf or a lamb? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy for us just to, oh, I'm the lamb. Right. I'm not the Correct. wolf. Correct. <laughs> I do think it's important if we're making a larger theological point out of this is that, and this gets back to that sort of polarization bit here, is within this narrative, the wolf has ceased behaving like a wolf. Correct. The lamb is yep. still behaving as a lamb. Mm-hmm. And so it, it gets back to that theme I know you and I talk about all the time of shalom, this larger sense mm-hmm. of wholeness and peace. And so this does, a, a text like this, even though it's sneaky, is a direct assault on that idea that we should just moderate, meet things in the middle. Right. No, there is there is a different path, a path of peace, mm-hmm. and which is very subversive if you read in that way. Absolutely. Well, now we come to the time of the show where we do recommendations, things that you can dive deeper into, mm-hmm. sometimes silly, sometimes important. Uh, Amy's got a really important one for us. So. Absolutely. I mean, maybe the most important. <laughs> <laughs> So my recommendation is for the brand new streaming service from Disney called Disney Plus. <sighs> yeah, and if you listen to the sermon, you'll get this mm-hmm. recommendation twice. Yes, yes. it's yeah, that yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a place that you can go and you can literally watch anything from Disney. Yeah. I mean, kind of. <laughs> but it has some classics like The Sound of Music. So that actually was the very first thing that I watched when we signed up for Disney+. Plus. Anyway, I could talk about it a long time. That's my recommendation for maybe the next two months. Now, are you are you a big uh, consumer of the backlog of the bizarre like Disney TV show series? Have you been jumping into some high school musical or some... I have not I guess yet. that's not a series. Well, there is a series about making it, but I... Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Well, I... Oh, The Cool Life of Zach and Cody. You watch that? No. Oh, okay. My daughter watches it. <laughs> I was about to be very worried. That's like... I, I noticed, sweet life, the sweet life. The sweet, that's right. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I was. Uh, I saw that they had like the like the '90s X Men cartoon, mm-hmm. in it, which I watched as a kid, and I thought, "I'll watch this." And then I watched it. Man, it's terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. And yeah. uh, I'm gonna watch some more of it. But and I, but I'll just keep watching, thinking this this is terrible. Yeah, so. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is a little odd. Uh, I'm somebody I just don't fall asleep easy. I mean, like I, this is a discussion between my wife and I. She can fall asleep like a drop of a hat, and it just it is a mess for me. And and one of the ways this is so weird. One of the ways that helps me go to sleep is sometimes just listening to podcasts that have a, sort of a cadence to them. Mm-hmm. And there's literally a podcast. It's just called Sleep with Me, and it's a guy, <laughs> and it's a very popular podcast. It's uh, it's yeah, just Sleep with Me. It's like if you're into like Welcome to Night Vale or uh-huh. any of these other podcasts, it's kind of similar. But the great thing is he often does entire recaps of The Good Place episodes oh, when he'll sit there and hilarious. talk about the whole – and I love The Good Place. and then like, But what's weird and what it helps me is because it has a specific cadence and it's about a certain length – I can sort of know how long it took me to fall asleep mm-hmm. because I remember the last thing I remembered in the podcast mm. before I fell asleep. And so, like, it helps me go, oh, yeah, it took me 20 minutes last night or, mm-hmm. it, oh, it, you know, the full 30 minutes or something. So, but um, the guy's got a really boring voice, mm. and that's kind of what makes it work. So, Sleep awesome. With Me podcast, yeah. 
Perfect. If you're listening to this, you know how to do that. So you can find a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. All these things, they are in our show notes. You can see there. Click on the bottom. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Subscribe, like, all those things. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. It's on all those things now, including this YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.